Shalom, brothers and sisters. I'm Brother Sid. I have Brother Wesley assisting me today. We have a detailed lesson prepared for our brothers and sisters internationally. Today's lesson will be called Fruits of Leadership. The Fruits of Leadership, brothers and sisters. Within our serving leadership framework, we must look at our character development, brothers and sisters. We must learn how to ripen our fruits of the spirit for effective leadership, brothers and sisters. Why? Majority of the people listening to this particular broadcast are leaders in some way uh, within their family. Why? Because usually we are the first in our family to understand the truth, therefore making us a leader at delivering the truth that we now possess brothers and sisters so now we today we're going to use the bible to go through the fruits of the spirit because you must have these fruits brothers and sisters in order to be effective at doing what at sharing the knowledge that you have amassed through the biblical text so we're going to start at matthew chapter 7 verse 16 through 20 brother wesley matthew chapter 7 verse 16 Ye shall know them by their fruits. Read that again. Ye shall know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistles? So examine the analogy of scriptural language here where it says, Ye shall know them by their fruits, brothers and sisters. You know a man or a woman by their fruits. So it doesn't matter what your doctrine is. First, initially, it doesn't matter, you know, how much knowledge you have and all that is secondary to your fruits. Because why? If your fruit are not ripened, then somebody will not allow you to teach them anything. So you shall know a man or a woman, no, no matter if they know they're an Israelite or not, because you'll have a lot of Israelites out there who their fruits, what they're showing is not Christ-like. Therefore, why would I learn from somebody who don't, does not have ripened fruits? Read that one more time, Brother Wesley. Matthew chapter 7. Verse 16, ye shall know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes of thorns or of figs of thistles? Continue. Even so, every good tree bringeth forth good fruit. Read that again. Even so, every good tree bringeth forth good fruit. But a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. So brothers and sisters, look at this. Christ instructed his disciples about the importance of bearing good fruit. See, it says, even so, every good tree bringeth forth good fruit. So if the fruit is not good, then what's coming from the person is not good. It's corrupt, brothers and sisters. Read verse 18, brother. Matthew chapter 7, verse 18. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit. Neither can a corrupt tree, tree bring forth good fruit. See, so look at that, brothers and sisters. Read the next scripture, brother. Matthew chapter 7, verse 19. Every tree that bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. See, so look at this, brothers and sisters. You shall know a man or a woman by their fruit. So a lot of times people are resisting the knowledge that you're trying to, you know, bestow upon them because of our fruits. The doctrine can be right. You can know the Bible back and forth, brothers and sisters. But guess what? Satan Lucifer knew the Bible back and forth and better than anybody. Remember, he battled with Christ in the wilderness and he used scripture. So it's something more that you must possess outside of just knowing the scripture. And that's the fruit. You must bear good fruit, brothers and sisters. Read 18 and 19 again, brother, please. Matthew chapter 7, verse 18. 
A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Every tree that bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. Verse 20. Wherefore, by their fruits ye shall know them. Read that again. Wherefore, by their fruits ye shall know them. See, so Christ also talked about the need for us to recognize the type of people we're dealing with by evaluating the type of fruit those people bear, brothers and sisters. Why? Because those who know the Most High will not continue a lifestyle of bearing bad fruit, brothers and sisters. So no matter who you're dealing with, whether this is a friend, whether it's family, whether it's yourself, brothers and sisters, we must examine the fruit. Why? Because if we have been transformed, the fruit of our lives is evidence of that transformation, brothers and sisters. See? So we have to make sure that the fruit is right. Because if the fruit is right, a person will allow you to teach them something. But if the fruit is not right, listen, I, I don't want to deal with whatever you're trying to teach me because your fruit is not right. You're a bad tree, according to the scripture. Let's go to Luke 6 and 43, brother. We're going to stand the gospel Brothers and sisters, stick with us here. Luke chapter 6, we're going to read verse 43 through 45. Luke chapter 6, verse 43. For a good tree bringeth not forth corrupt fruit. Read that again, brother. For a good tree bringeth not forth corrupt fruit. Neither doeth a corrupt tree bringeth forth good fruit. For every tree is known by its own fruit. For of, for of thorns men do not gather figs, nor of a bramble bush gather they grapes. Read that from the top, brother, verse 43. Luke chapter 6, verse 43. For a good tree bringeth not forth corrupt fruit. See, so a good tree doesn't bring forth what? Corrupt fruit, brothers and sisters. So we can identify those whose hearts have been redeemed by the fruit we see in their lives. Read the next scripture, brother. Luke chapter 6 verse 44 For every tree is known by its own fruit For of thorns men do not gather figs Nor of a bramble bush gather they grapes See, for every tree, tree is known by its own fruit See, you're not known by your doctrine You're not known by what's coming out of your mouth You're not known by what race you are You're known by your fruit, brothers and sisters Doctrine can be right You can have the doctrine of Christ and, and, and know scripture by memory but if the fruit is not there, then you're going to meet resistance when you try to share this truth, brothers and sisters. Read Luke 6 and 45, brother. Luke chapter 6, verse 45. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is good. And an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is evil. For of the abundance of the heart, he, his mouth speaketh. So look at this, brothers and sisters. Christ is telling us, he's given the proper test of character, brothers and sisters. He's showing you, listen, if somebody brings forth good fruit, then they're a good tree. Why? Because people don't judge a tree by its leaves or bark or by flowers, but by the fruit which it bears, brothers and sisters. The goodness of the gourd is known by the fruit its branches bear. So this is key, brothers and sisters. This is the fruits of leadership. Why? Because people will not allow you to lead them if you're bearing bad fruit, brothers and sisters. And this is something you learn through maturity with the Most High. You learn this over time, brothers and sisters. Because I know most young people, they get truth and then think that gives them a license to say it however and whenever they want to because it's true. And people are not going to receive that. Why? Because the fruit 
is spoiled. It's not good fruit. So we need brothers and sisters who are leaders, who will be used for leadership to understand the fruits of the spirit, brothers and sisters. Because if you possess this fruit, if you bring forth this righteous fruit, your fishing, as you fish, fishers of men, will be more effective and more efficient, brothers and sisters. Let's go to Galatians 5 and 22. Let's go to the fruits of the Spirit, Brother Wesley. Follow us, brothers and sisters, to the New Testament, Galatians 5, 22 and 23. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love. Read that again. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, and faith, meekness, temperance, Against such, there is no law. See, brothers and sisters, when the Most High Spirit is at work in a person, amazing things happen. See, the whole person's, excuse me, the whole person's life blossoms and bears beautiful fruit. When what? The Holy Spirit dwell within that person. So these are the fruits of the Spirit. You shall know a man by his fruits. Read that one more time, brother. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love. Stay there. Right there, brothers and sisters, the most wonderful fruit of all is the giving and receiving of true love. It's the most important. Why? Because the rest come from this foundation of love. That's why it's first, brothers and sisters. See, so there must be love there first. Before anything else, you shall know a man by his fruits. So why? We're dealing with the fruits of the spirit. If you possess the Holy Spirit, these are the characteristics. These are the attitudes in which a pr must be on display. And if you're not displaying this, then we know what type of tree you are. We know. Because you shall know a man by his fruit. Not by what's coming out of his mouth. Not by his doctrine. Not by how or he or she dresses. You shall know them by their fruit, brothers and sisters. Not by their bank account. Not by their car. Not by their looks. By their fruit, brothers and sisters. So those of us who you know, are dealing in a position of leadership within our family, with our friends, trying to deliver scripture, trying to deliver doctrine, trying to deliver truth. You must possess what we're reading here, brothers and sisters. Read that one more time, brother. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love. We're going to deal with that one right there, brothers and sisters. Love. Let's go to John 14 and 15. Because you must know what love is. First, brothers and sisters. We're standing in the New Testament, in the Gospel. John chapter 14, verse 15. John chapter 14, verse 15. If ye love me, keep my commandments. Read that again, brother. If ye love me, keep my commandments. See, so the most solid proof of our affection for the Most High is to keep his commandments. This is the only proper evidence of love. So first, you must love the Most High God. You must show love. That's first, the first indication that the Holy Spirit dwell within you by keeping the commandments. Why? Because if you're not keeping the commandments, you don't have the Holy Spirit. I don't care how nice a person may seem and genuine. You don't have the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit would not dwell with somebody who's a sinner. Purposely, brothers and sisters. Read that one more time, brother. John chapter 14, verse 15. If you love me. Keep my commandments. If you love me, keep my commandments. So keeping the commandments will be the result if we love him, brothers and sisters. Obedience 
is the fruit of love. And this is where we have to start because we're dealing with the fruits of the spirit. If you don't, if you're not keeping the commandments, you're not dealing with, you know, all of the fruits of the spirit, brothers and sisters. And this is key. This is key for leadership because there's a lot of Israelites out there who, you know, they have doctrine, they have history, but there's no love there. There's no love. And first you have to love the most high God before you can love anyone else or anything else. You have to know what love is according to the Bible. Let's go to Wisdom of Solomon in the Apocrypha. We're going to read verse, or excuse me, chapter 6, verse 18, Brother Wesley. Follow us, brothers and sisters. The fruits of leadership. Wisdom of, Wisdom of Solomon, chapter 6, verse 18. And love is the keeping of her laws. Read that again, brother. And love is the keeping of her laws. Who is her, brothers and sisters? Wisdom, all throughout the scriptures, is a feminine spirit, brothers and sisters. See? It's a feminine spirit. The Holy Spirit is feminine. You have the Father, who's masculine. The Holy Spirit, which is feminine, and the Son. See? I know Christians teach you that the, the Holy Spirit is a he, because they read that in John. But when you look at that word he... Uh, in the um, New Testament, you, when you look at it in the Greek, it doesn't say he at all. It says Akinos, brothers and sisters, which means that one. Brother Wesley, read verse 18 one more time. Wisdom of Solomon, chapter 6, verse 18. And love is the keeping of her laws, and the giving heed unto her laws is the assurance of incorruption. Is the what? Assurance of incorruption. Brothers and sisters, it must be this way because love cannot be one-sided or the relationship will not exist very long, brothers and sisters. See, we so often express our love to the Most High through words. But according to scripture, we can only demonstrate that love through obedience. And that's the only assurance of incorruption. See, if you don't keep the laws, what assurance do somebody have <laughs> that you're not corrupt. See, that's the key, brothers and sisters. Read that one more time, brother, please. Wisdom of Solomon, chapter 6, verse 18. And love is the keeping of her laws, and the giving heed unto her laws is the assurance of incorruption. See, brothers and sisters? So look at this. I really need you to look at this, brothers and sisters. <clears throat> it might be hard to do, but it's not hard to understand, brothers and sisters. I need you really to examine this closely. Read that one more time, brother. Wisdom of Solomon, chapter 6, verse 18. And love is the keeping of her laws, and the giving heed unto her laws is the assurance of incorruption. See? So, brothers and sisters, this is key, because why? We're speaking about love. We're speaking about love. So, first, you must know what love is according to the Bible. You must know how to love the Most High. You must know how to love the Holy Spirit. You must know how to love Christ. Okay, so that's the first thing, brothers and sisters. You shall know a man by his fruits. Okay, let's go to um, let's go to Ecclesiasticus, brothers and sisters. Stand in the apocrypha. We're going to Ecclesiasticus, chapter two, verse fifteen. Ecclesiasticus, chapter two, verse fifteen. They that fear the Lord will not disobey his word. Read that again. They that fear the Lord will not disobey his word. And they that love him will keep his ways. See, this is a fair measure of our love, brothers and sisters. 
They that fear the Lord will not disobey his word. See? So for the believer, disobedience is not only a failure of performance or a failure of strength, but also it's a failure of love. Brothers and sisters, read that one more time. Ecclesiasticus chapter 2 verse 15. They that fear the Lord will not disobey his word, and they that love him will keep his ways. See, that's critical. Christians need to understand this, brothers and sisters. I asked the Christian right away, you love the most high? Well, yeah, I do. How, how are you showing that? You should see the question mark pop up over their head, brothers and sisters, because usually they just say, well, yeah, I just pray to him and thank him. Well, listen, <laughs> the best thankfulness is making sure Christ's blood wasn't in vain, because why would you, <laughs> you know, he came and died for our sins, but yet you're still sinning things that you can change immediately. So that's and listen, if you love him, show him you love him. The proper source of obedience is love, brothers and sisters. Now. Now that we've understood that we must show love to the Most High, secondary, now that you know how to love the Most High, you must love yourself. Let's go to Ecclesiasticus 19 and 5, brother. Same book, just a different chapter. Ecclesiasticus chapter 19, verse 5. Whoso taketh pleasure in wickedness shall be condemned, but he that resisteth Pleasures crowned his life. See, but he that resisteth pleasures crowned his life. So look at this, brothers and sisters. If you take pleasure in wickedness, you shall be destroyed. You shall be condemned and judged. But if you learned how to resist <laughs> the pleasures of this life, you crown yourself. That's love. See, brothers and sisters, how do you love yourself? You love yourself. By treating your body and soul properly. You can only do that by adhering to his commandments, brothers and sisters. If you ever notice, the 99% of those who are depressed don't follow God's laws, brothers and sisters. See? They don't follow God's laws. I've never met a person who actually, you know, observed the Sabbath and don't eat unclean foods. Don't deal with fornication and porn uh, you know, pornography and different things. Who, who's, you know, who, who's depressed? See, they go to parties and, you know, it appears that they have fun, but they go home and cry in the shower, brothers and sisters. If you love yourself, you resist pleasures, brothers and sisters. Therefore, you can have that crown that is offered on that day. Judgment, brothers and sisters. Read that one more time, brother. Ecclesiasticus chapter 19 verse 5 Whoso taketh pleasure in wickedness shall be condemned See? But he that resisteth pleasures crowneth his life See, so guess what brothers and sisters If you can't resist from pleasure You can't be trusted Because why? Usually the things that pleasure the flesh Will destroy you brothers and sisters They will destroy you So once you learn how to love the most high you learn how to love yourself. And guess what? By loving the Most High, you love yourself. Because by loving the Most High, you're keeping His commandments. And His commandments are not for Him. They're for you. <laughs> he wants you to live a long, healthy life. See? If you love yourself, you know how to love yourself. You're not going to eat unclean food. Why? Because that unclean food brings a sickness to your body and shorten your life. If you love yourself, you don't want your life to be shortened. See? If you love yourself... You don't go out sleeping around with everything you can find in. See? You don't get naked and swing on a pole. 
You don't do these things. You're not going to smoke crack cocaine. See, brothers and sisters, you must resist pleasures if you love yourself. Brothers and sisters. Now, we showed what well, the Bible has showed how to love the Most High, how to love ourselves, and now we must love our neighbor. Love, the spirit of love. Let's go to 1 John, brother. 4 and 7. Please follow us, brothers and sisters. We're going to 1 John. 1 John, chapter 4. We're going to read verse 7, brother Wesley. 1 John, chapter 4, verse 7. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. See, beloved, let us love one another. See, look at that, brothers and sisters. Brother Wesley, read 7 one more time, please, brother. First John chapter 4, verse 7. Beloved, let us love one another, for the love is of God. And everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. See, so love, brothers and sisters, love one another. And see, that's the key thing that most Israelites are lacking. It's like, yeah, we know who Edom is. We know who Esau is. We know what he's done. But where, where's the love, brother? Because you're not, you're not showing love, okay? Let us love one another. See, if you're spewing hate, venom, and vitriol, then why would somebody want to learn anything that you're dealing with? Because if, you know, that's not Christ. Christ, even when these people, when the Romans were spitting on him, trying to give him vinegar and gall. Yeah, they tried to give him vinegar and the poppy seed, brothers and sisters. Go look at it again. And Christ rejected it. They was trying to drug him while he was on the cross. Brothers and sisters, he said, forgive them for they know not what they do. Not just the Romans, but our people too. So even in this face of antagonization, he was showing love, brothers and sisters. See, that's the key. If you're talking about the white man is the devil and, you know, women are, are, are you know, are, are bed layers and all this mess. It's like, I'm not learning a thing from you, brother, because you will corrupt me and everybody that I know. Read that one more time, brother, please. First John, first John, chapter four, verse seven. Beloved, let us love one another for love is of God. And everyone that loveth is of, is born of God and knoweth God. See, so promote each other's welfare, both spiritual and temporal. Read the next scripture, brother. He that loveth not knoweth not God. Read that again. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. See, you shall know a man by his fruit. A man who's not sure love, he have, he's not, I don't care if he knows scripture or not. He have no relationship with God. He don't know God because he's not showing love. Everyone that truly loveth God and his neighbor is born of God, brothers and sisters. To love one another is the command of the Most High. It's his revealed will and is pleasing in his sight, brothers and sisters. So that's the key. We must show love, even though we know we're Israelites, even though we know we're chosen, even though we know the Gentiles are looking to destroy us. Showing that love is part of leadership. That will have a brother or sister follow you and learn from you, brothers and sisters. Not learning from somebody who can't show love to somebody they may deem their enemy. Because the scripture tells you to love your enemy also. See? That's the scripture. Read 7 and 8 one more time before we move on, please, brother. First John chapter 4, verse 7. Beloved, 
Let us love one another, for love is of God, and every one that loveth is born of God, and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. See, we don't we we screen people not through what they're saying. We screen them through these fruits. A brother can pull out 93 scriptures by heart. If he's not showing love to the white man, to the African, or the Korean, I know he don't have a relationship with God. Okay? Why? Because he that loveth knoweth not God. See? And when somebody treats us a certain way, I understand they don't have a true relationship with God. Not the God of the Bible. Maybe some other God, but not the God of the Bible. Because if somebody's actually following the Bible, then they're showing love, brothers and sisters. And that's what's missing in this world. Let's go to Romans, brother. Let's go to the epistles. Take your time here. <clears throat> brothers and sisters, I always remind brothers and sisters, when they're reading Romans, to take your time. Because Romans is written very... Um, Paul was a Benjamite, which means he, today if he was living, he would be what you call a from somebody from the West Indies, a Jamaican. And sometimes the way they speak, it almost seems backwards to the natural ear, brothers and sisters. So always take your time in Romans um, and, you know, slowly read each and every word, brothers and sisters, so you can actually gain the understanding. This is why a lot of uh, Christians actually stay away from Romans, because it's hard to be understood. Brothers and sisters, we're going to read Romans 12 and 10, speaking of the fruits of the spirit, uh, love. Romans chapter 12, verse 10. Be kindly affectionate one to another with brotherly love and honor, preferring one another. Doing what? And honor, preferring one another. See, this signifies that affectionate regard which we should feel for one another, treating people better than they actually deserve, brothers and sisters. Read that one more time. Romans chapter 12, verse 10. Be kindly affectioned one to another with brotherly love and honor, preferring one, one another. Brothers and sisters, when you look at the word Philadelphia or brotherly love in the Bible, it actually translates to Philadelphia. So when you look at the church in Philadelphia and different things, that word Philadelphia, when you go to it in the Greek, brothers and sisters, it actually breaks down to brotherly love. That's why they call it the city of brotherly love, brothers and sisters. So they'll sit there and act like they don't believe the Bible, but then yet <laughs> they'll use biblical terms, brothers and sisters. But it's telling you, be kindly affectionate to one another and in honor, preferring one another. So that means prefer to honor rather than to be honored, brothers and sisters. The preference to honor others more than to be honored is also a natural fruit of the spirit, brothers and sisters. This is key. This is critical. We're talking about what? We're talking about the fruits for leadership, brothers and sisters. Let's go to 1 John 3 and 18, brother. 1 John chapter 3, we're going to read verse 18. 1 John chapter 3, verse 18. My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. Read that again, brother, please. My little children... Let us not let love in the word. Let what? Let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. The prohibition here is not against expressions of love and concern for others. What is forbidden is the substitution of loving words 
for needed assistance, brothers and sisters. Merely using the vocabulary of love without any sincerity in action, brothers and sisters. Read that one more time, brother. Take your time. First John chapter 3, verse 18. My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. But in deed and in truth. Let us not profess by the tongue that we love, but what? Prove it by the deed, brothers and sisters. That's key. So what? The spirit of love or the fruit of love is what? Love the most high, love yourself and love others in that order. Because guess what? If you don't love the most high, you don't know how to love yourself and you definitely don't know how to love others, brothers and sisters. That's key. Let's go back to Galatians, brother. Let's move to the next fruit of the spirit. We're going to Galatians, brothers and sisters, chapter five, verse 22. Galatians 5, Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. Read verse 22 again, brother. But the fruits of the Spirit is love, joy. Joy. Let's stop right there, brothers and sisters. We've dealt with the Spirit or the fruit of the Spirit, which is love. Now we have to deal with joy. Joy is the foundation for a positive life, brothers and sisters. Joy, it's spiritual, it's supernatural and essential, brothers and sisters. What we're reading here, these characteristics must be on display, brothers and sisters, in order for you to be effective at fishing, according to the scriptures, brothers and sisters. We're going to magnify that point by going to Proverbs 3 and 13. Joy. Joy, brothers and sisters. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 13. Happy is the man that findeth wisdom. Read that again. Happy is the man that findeth wisdom, and the man that getteth understanding. See, so look at this. Joy, or happy is the man that findeth wisdom. So Satan would have us believe that the formula for happiness begins with wickedness and sin. But the scriptures say otherwise. Read that again. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 13. Happy is the man that findeth wisdom. And the man that getteth an understanding. See? So look at this, brothers and sisters. The pathway to happiness or joy begins with the righteousness through obedience to his commandments, brothers and sisters. See? This is the fruits of leadership. You must show love. You must have joy. You must be a happy person, brothers and sisters. See? This must be on display if you want to be effective, brothers and sisters. Go to Proverbs 28 and 14, Brother Wesley, to magnify that. Proverbs chapter 28, verse 14. Happy is the man that feareth always. Read that again. Happy is the man that feareth always. Look at that. Feareth always. Those who labor to do that which is lawful and right in the sight of the Most High. Read that one more time, brother. Happy is the man that feareth always. But he that is hearted, his heart shall fall into mischief. It says, happy is the man, brothers and sisters. Why? Because he shall avoid the mischief which befalls fearless sinners. When it says, happy is the man that feareth always. If you fear him, you're keeping his commandments. Therefore, you will avoid mischief, brothers and sisters. This is the formula for happiness, brothers and sisters. See? 
This is the formula. Read that one more time, brother. Proverbs chapter 28, verse 14. Happy is the man that feareth always, but he that hardeth his heart shall fall into mischief. See? So, brothers and sisters, everyone is seeking for happiness, but most never find it. Why? Because they're looking for it in all the wrong places, brothers and sisters. Happy is the man that feareth always, brothers and sisters. What's the fear of the Most High? Keeping his commandments, brothers and sisters. Why? If you keep his commandments, you will not fall into mischief, brothers and sisters. See? Brother Wesley, read Ecclesiasticus 37 and 24. Ecclesiasticus chapter 37, verse 24. A wise man shall be filled with blessing, and all they that see him shall count him happy. Look at that, brothers and sisters. When we begin with righteousness and obedience, we will end with blessings and joy. Why? <laughs> because obedience means you're following his commandments. You can only be blessed if you're obedient, brothers and sisters. Read that one more time because there's something key I want brothers and sisters to get here. Ecclesiasticus chapter 37 verse 24. A wise man shall be filled with blessing. And all they that see him shall count him happy. And all they that see him shall count him happy. It's showing you that authentic joy and happiness can be recognized by others, brothers and sisters. And that's key. Because why? If you're not happy, if you don't have joy, why would I want to learn from you? I don't want to learn anything that's going to make me depressed like you. I, you can keep that, brother. I'm good. See? If I don't see happiness and joy in you, that's authentic, then, I mean, I'm good where I'm at, brother. Thank you, though. Well, sister, I'm good. Thank you. See, this is key, brothers and sisters. These are all the things that somebody who may allow you to teach them are looking at. I don't want somebody who's depressed showing me anything. <laughs> because they're going to show me something that's going to make me depressed like them. This is key, brothers and sisters. You can see a man's happiness, his joy. We're going to prove that. Brother Wesley, go to Ecclesiasticus. 13 and 25. Tell us what that says, brother. Ecclesiasticus chapter 13, verse 25. The heart of a man changes his countenance. Read that again. The heart of a man changes his countenance, whether it be for a good or evil, and a merry heart maketh a cheerful countenance. Look at that. The heart of a man changes his countenance. So that's your face, brothers and sisters, how you look. A man's happiness or sorrow will show in his face. So this is telling you, when the mind of a man is inwardly satisfied and full of joy, it does good to his body, brothers and sisters. I need you to read that again, brother. Take your time. Ecclesiasticus, chapter 13, verse 25. The heart of a man changes his countenance, whether it be for good or evil. Whether what? Whether it be for good or evil. And a merry heart. Maketh a cheerful countenance. So look at that, brothers and sisters. There is great sympathy between the body and mind. The one is much affected by the other. So when a man is dejected, his spirit sinks and it's seen in his countenance, brothers and sisters. See? And our people need to understand this because we wonder why people lock the door when we walk by sometimes. Or they follow us around the store. And it's like, you have your face balled up. <laughs> I mean, the, the heart is, is indicated within your face. And yes, I understand, brothers and sisters. Sometimes brothers will say, well, that's just how I look. Yeah, I understand that. But you have to make a concerted effort to look differently. 
understanding that people look at that and say, he looked like he'll rob me. He looked like he'll kill me. He probably got a gun under his coat. Just based on how you look, brothers and sisters. See, the heart of a man changes his countenance. So by looking at a man's face, you can know what he's dealing with inside. See? So a person knows you're dealing with the spirit of joy by looking in your face. Not about what's coming out of your mouth. <laughs> they can look at you, brothers and sisters, and see? All this matters. Because if somebody is going to allow you to teach them something spiritually, they're looking at all of these things. And if you don't check off these boxes, you're going to meet resistance, brothers and sisters. Read that one more time, please, brother. Ecclesiasticus chapter 13, verse 25. The heart of a man changes his countenance, whether it be for good or evil. And a merry heart maketh a cheerful countenance. See? So look at this, brothers and sisters. Whether it be for good or for evil. See? So a brother who looked like he's angry and mad and face balled up. Something is going on with his heart. He's not happy inside and it's indicated on his face and his countenance. It's, cr it's critical, brothers and sisters, because these are all the things that a man or woman will be looking at to know whether I could, you know, I should receive whatever they're trying to sell me. These are the things. See, young people think it's just as long as I got the truth and I can prove it. That's all I need. Negative. Negative. The truth is not going to be enough. Why? Because our people are in a spiritual slumber. See? So in order for you to be able to get close enough to deliver the truth, <laughs> you need to show these fruits. See, the doctrine, the teaching will take care of itself. But in order for you to be received, these are the things they're looking at, brothers and sisters. This come with maturity, understanding what somebody will be looking at, brothers and sisters. In order to say, you know, psychologically within their mind, inwardly, you know what? There's something about this brother or sister that I like, that I want for myself. Let me hear the brother out. Even if I don't agree, let me at least hear him. Or let me hear the sister out. She always seem happy. She always show love. See, these are the things they're looking at, brothers and sisters. See, and that's the thing with the Christian church. A lot of times, some of these things are here. The love is not there because they're not keeping the commandments. But they'll show love to us, kind of, you know, their version of love. Because, I mean, love is teaching me what the commandments are. But a lot of these, these characteristics are in the Christian church. Now, what's missing from the Christian church is truth, which is, you know, one of the most, the most important things, brothers and sisters. But there are certain things we got that was righteous within the Christian church that Israelites can learn from. Christians are very nice people. They are very nice. They're very humble people most of the time until you show them, you know, that they're wrong. But, you know, Israelites have gotten a bad rap. They've gotten a bad rap for being angry, for being loud, aggressive and abrasive. So what we're showing you is we're, we're reading in the Bible that next level of maturity. Because why are we going to spend our life fishing, bringing people to the truth one person at a time? Starting with our family and friends, our close relatives. And these are the things, brothers and sisters, that they will be looking at as an indication whether they should receive what you're trying to sell them, brothers and sisters. And this is key. You have to make a concerted effort to rearrange your face, brothers and sisters. 
Because if you can't do that, then listen, I, I really don't want to deal with whatever you're talking about right now. Okay? A merry heart maketh a cheerful countenance. See, when you have a good heart, when you're happy in your heart, your countenance change. Your body language, your face change. Brothers and sisters, this is key. Brothers and sisters, follow us to Proverbs 15 and 13. Proverbs chapter 15, verse 13. A merry heart maketh a cheerful countenance. Read that again. A merry heart maketh a cheerful countenance. But by sorrow of the heart, the spirit is broken. Brothers and sisters, your face shows your heart. If you're happy inside, it will show outside. Read that one more time, brother, please. Proverbs chapter 15, verse 13. And merry heart maketh a cheerful countenance. But by sorrow of the heart, the spirit is broken. See, so others will know our heart by what they see on our face, brothers and sisters. It, it's your face and body language combined. See, all this matters. You have to take all this into consideration when you want to share some truth, brothers and sisters. Because a lot of times we just get the information and then run. But forget this, which is some of the most important information. Why? Because you shall know a man by his fruit. If you don't have the proper fruit, then even the way you deliver the truth is in a manner that probably will not be respected or, or received. No matter who you're dealing with, whether you're dealing with your family, your friends, or somebody you don't know. Because one thing I've noticed is when we deal with our family members, we have less patience and less a lack of respect because they know us. It's like, I've known them for 15 years, so I'm going to just talk to them how I talk to them. And it's, you can't do that. Why? Because you're dealing with somebody's salvation. And they, whoever it is, family, mother, father, brother, cousin, they're going to expect you to deliver the gospel like Christ delivered it. And you can't skip over that, you know, for the sake of saying, well, they know me, so I really don't have to, you know, do it that way. But then when it's somebody you don't know, you got all this honor, respect and all this for them. But then with your brother that you've known for 15 years, it's like straight, you know, cut and dry, straight to the chase, no patience. You know, you have to be aware of that, brothers and sisters, even when you're dealing with people you've known for years. A merry heart maketh a cheerful countenance, brothers and sisters. So people know this. People are looking at this. You must make sure that if you're trying to deliver some word or be a leader, you have to be happy. You must exhibit the spirit of joy. Because if you're leading somebody and you're not happy, then the people you're leading won't be happy either, brothers and sisters. What we're dealing with today is the fruits of leadership. We're going to go to Galatians 5 and 22. We're going to move past this particular fruit of the spirit. I think we've done enough on that one. Brother Wesley, read Galatians 5 and 22, please, brother. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. But the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. Read that one more time, brother. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. Peace. We're going to stick right there, brothers and sisters. We've dealt with the Spirit or the fruit of the Spirit that is love. We've dealt with the fruit of the Spirit that is joy. Now, we're going to use the Bible to illustrate peace. Brothers and sisters, true peace of mind depends on attaining peace with the Most High through Christ. So that's first. 
fruit of the spirit of peace, brothers and sisters. Let's see what the scripture have to say about that. Let's go to Psalms 34 and 14, brothers and sisters. We're going back to the Old Testament. Psalms chapter 34, verse 14. Depart from evil. Do what? Depart from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. When it says seek peace and pursue it, brothers and sisters, strive to live in peace with all of the world. Where it says, read that one more time, brother, please. Psalms chapter 34, verse 14. Depart from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. And what? Pursue it. And what? Pursue it. Follow after it. Make it an object of desire and put forth constant efforts to live in it. Brothers and sisters. Now the key part here, I don't want you to miss this. We cannot experience true peace without obedience to the Most High. That's why it says depart from evil. See? His perfect commandments define the way of peace. Brothers and sisters. See? That, that part is clear. Look at that. Read that one more time, brother. Psalms chapter 34, verse 14. Depart from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. Seek peace and pursue it. Seek it. So even when there's not peace in a situation, that's something you must actively engage and look for, brothers and sisters. You must pursue that. You must seek that. That's critical. That's key, brothers and sisters. You must be a peacemaker. Brothers and sisters, and the first way to seek peace is to depart from evil. Let's prove that. Let's go to Ecclesiastes 35 in one. We're going to the Apocrypha, brothers and sisters. Ecclesiasticus chapter 35, verse one, brother Weston. Ecclesiasticus chapter 35, verse one. He that keepeth the law bringeth offerings enough. He that taketh heed to the commandments offereth a peace offering. Look at that. See, brothers and sisters, those of us who take heed to the commandment offereth a peace offering. Now, we know that some people find it counterintuitive that the commandments are at the trailhead of the path to peace. But that's because they lack the wisdom contained within the book, brothers and sisters. Read that one more time, brother. Ecclesiasticus chapter 35 verse 1 He that keepeth the law bringeth offerings enough He that taketh heed to the commandments offereth a peace offering See love for and obedience to the most high's law brings peace to a person's life brothers and sisters That's key So this is the first thing that we must do to seek peace to pursue peace Now all of this is contained within his law Brothers and sisters. See? So we need you to examine these things closely. These are the fruits of leadership. Let's go to Romans, brother. 12 and 18. Follow us to the epistles, brothers and sisters. Romans chapter 12, verse 18. <clears throat> Romans chapter 12, verse 18. If it be possible, as much as life in you, Live peaceable with all men. Do what? Live peaceably with all men. So, brothers and sisters, if you notice, this is not a statement of total pacifism or completely or complete apathy. However, if possible, see, that's the key. So this command recognizes that conflict is sometimes unavoidable. 
But what? Maintaining peace may require us to be willing to yield, brothers and sisters. See? That's how you pursue peace. Is it about being effective or is it about being right, brothers and sisters? See, there's a difference. If you're just trying to prove to somebody you know better or you're right and they're wrong, that's not pursuing peace. That's not pursuing peace, brothers and sisters. You must be willing to yield and allow somebody to win if that's what they believe winning is. Read that again, brother. Romans chapter 12, verse 18. If it be possible, as much as life in you, live peaceably with all men. With Israelites. All men. With Edomites. All men. With Hamites. All men. See, this is including the white man. See? So that's why I don't understand Israelites who get up there and say, the white man is the devil. Da 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 Are you following the scriptures, brother? Because the Bible says, if it's possible, live peaceably with all men, including the white man. That's Christ. Read that one one more time, brother, please. Romans chapter 12, verse 18. If it be possible, as much as life in you, Live peaceably with all men. See, don't be contentious. Don't be argumentative. Don't look forward to quarreling and debating, brothers and sisters. That's the key. See, live peaceably with all men. See, somebody is looking at this. People are looking at this to see. Are you dealing with peace? See, if you're a peaceful person, then okay. Well, let me hear what the brother has to say. But if I don't agree with the brother, then what? See, because they're looking at that too. How do you deal with disagreement? Let's prove that. Let's go to Romans 14 and 19. Just a few chapters over, brothers and sisters. Follow us closely, please. Romans chapter 14, verse 19. Let us therefore follow after the things which make for peace. Read that again, brother. Let us therefore follow after the things which make for peace and things wherewith One may edify another. Look at that. It says, follow after the things which make for peace. See? So making peace takes real effort, brothers and sisters. Rather than pursuing the things that cause contention, Paul says, pursue the things that cause peace, brothers and sisters. This is key. This is critical. Read that again, brother, please. Romans chapter 14, verse 19. Let us therefore follow after the things which make for peace and things wherewith one may edify another. See, wherewith one may edify another. So listen, lay aside the causes of contention so we can live in harmony, brothers and sisters. And like we said at the previous scripture, you must be willing to yield sometimes, brothers and sisters, in order to keep the peace or pursue the peace or bring the peace rather. You must be able to yield. And if you can't do that, you're not exhibiting the spirit of peace, the fruit of the spirit that is called peace. If you have to always win and show that you know better and you're right, that is going to make somebody resist whatever you're bringing them, brothers and sisters. Okay? Sometimes you just have to agree to disagree, brothers and sisters, respectfully. Let's go to Proverbs 3 and 30, brother. Follow us to the Old Testament, brothers and sisters. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 30. Strive not with a man without cause. Do what? Strive not with a man without cause. 
if he have done thee no harm. See, strive not with a man without cause. So the Most High condemns petty, hypocritical, and vengeful responses, brothers and sisters. See, so wisdom includes knowledge and ability, excuse me, knowledge and the ability to get along with others. That's contained in the Bible, brothers and sisters. Read that one more time. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 30. Strive not with a man without cause. If he have done thee no harm. If he have done thee no harm. So the Most High will despise our petty, personal, hypocritical, vengeful thoughts, brothers and sisters. A contentious spirit is from hell, but a gentle and peaceful spirit is from heaven. See? If he done you no harm, because why? A lot of times we just, you know, we argue over things that don't really matter, brothers and sisters. See, and you have to be careful about that. Strive not with a man for no cause. Now, if it's something that's, you know, important, then okay. But a lot of the things, you know, we argue about that lead to something greater, it, it have no value according to the Most High, according to the Bible. So you have to know when and when, when to speak and when not to speak. When to bring forth your opinion and when not to bring forth your opinion, brothers and sisters. Let's go to Proverbs 29 and 11, brother. Same book, just a different chapter. Proverbs chapter 29, verse 11. A fool uttereth all his mind, but a wise man keepeth it all until afterwards. Read that one more time, brother. A fool uttereth all his mind, but a wise man keepeth it until afterwards. See? So there's a time to hold back speech to yourself, brothers and sisters. See? A wise man exercises discernment when angered. Why? Brothers and sisters, most of the contention that we have is when we... Think about it, brothers and sisters. Usually when a person doesn't do something the way we would do it, we feel the need to let them know about it. We feel the need to give us, give them our opinion. And opinions can get you in trouble, brothers and sisters. Opinions can get you in trouble. So you have to know this. Because why? Sometimes somebody don't want your opinion. So that's the key. And a lot of times when they ask you for your opinion, they really just want you to agree with them. So think about that, brothers and sisters. When somebody else come to you and give their opinion on what you're doing, that's going to bring contention. Now it's different if they... You know, I'm sitting back, I'm talking about the government or, you know, the job or whatever the case may be. Something that really don't affect us. But when you have an opinion on what I'm doing and you need to, you feel like you need to bring that forth. Usually contention follows behind that, brothers and sisters. So we have to be less uh, <laughs> liberal with our opinion. Okay, brothers and sisters. Read that one more time, brother. Proverbs chapter 29, verse 11. A fool uttereth all his mind, but a wise man keepeth it in till afterwards. See, a wise man keepeth it in till afterwards, brothers and sisters. So that means what? A wise man is not so concerned about proving himself right, but coming to a resolution. See, are you trying to be right here or we're trying to resolve this the issue before us? There's a difference. See, even in a disagreement, you can show forth Christ, brothers and sisters. That's usually that's the best time to show forth Christ when you're being attacked or, or somebody's responding negatively to you or trying to antagonize you. Whatever your response is, is really that indication. 
See, because Satan wants you to go back and forth. He wants you to be angry. He wants you to just let your tongue free. Why? Because then a person can take exactly what you did and publicize that to the earth and say, well, listen, this is who I knew they were. I just wanted to show you. See? You have to be careful, brothers and sisters. Only a fool utters everything, you know, that's come to his mind. <laughs> and then they call it, what do they call it? Uh, keeping it real. Well, yeah, I mean, I can't, I can't be fake. I gotta let them know. It's like, brother, you are, according to the Bible, you are foolish. Okay? You're foolish. Is it about you being right? Or is it about coming to a, a resolution? There's a difference, brothers and sisters. Peacemakers. Let's go to Galatians 5 and 22, brother. We're dealing with the fruits of the Spirit, brothers and sisters. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering. Long-suffering, brothers and sisters. This is the key. Long-suffering. So we've dealt with love. We've dealt with joy. We've dealt with peace. Now listen, in order to have peace, you must be long-suffering, brothers and sisters. So look at how these characteristics link flawlessly to a man or woman of God, brothers and sisters. Long-suffering is critical. Let's go to Proverbs 16 and 32 to magnify that point, Brother Wesley. Proverbs chapter 16, verse 32. He that is slow to anger is better than the mighty. Read that again, brother. He that is slow to anger is better than the mighty. And he that ruled his spirit, then he then that taketh a city. So look at this, brothers and sisters. Take your time on that, brother. Read that one more time. Proverbs chapter 16, verse 32. He that is slow to anger is better than the, than the mighty. And he that ruleth his spirit, then he that taketh a city. So brothers and sisters, here is a lesson in personal greatness. Long suffering is a necessary quality. So that his people can effectively work together and accomplish his purposes, brothers and sisters. Slow to anger. Read it again, brother. Take your time. Proverbs chapter 16, verse 32. He that is slow to anger is better than the mighty. And he that ruleth his spirit than he that taketh a city. See, to be able to control your spirit, brothers and sisters, is better than somebody who has physical brute strength. The Bible's telling you this. See, he that is slow to anger, long-suffering, brothers and sisters, not quick-tempered. Because guess what? <laughs> if you're quick-tempered and easily angered, that's not a fruit of the Spirit. That's an indication that you have the Holy Spirit, brothers and sisters. That's a fruit of the flesh. You shall know a man by his fruit, whether it's good or bad, brothers and sisters. So you must understand this. Go to Colossians 3 and 13, brother. Go into the New Testament. We need you to follow us closely, brothers and sisters. Follow us closely. Colossians chapter 3, verse 13. Forbearing one another. Doing what? Forbearing one another. And forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. So look at this, brothers and sisters. Clemency towards each other. See? 
It says, if any man have a quarrel against you. Read that one more time, brother. Take your time. Colossians chapter 3, verse 13. Forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. So that's the key, a quarrel against you. We must bring, gently bring all conversations back to a profitable purpose, brothers and sisters. Because usually when you get into a quarrel, people just start trying to say things that will hurt somebody more. That's usually where it goes to. We, 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 we trade insults of who can say, you know, the most hurtful thing. So it gets off of really what the, you know, the uh, original disagreement it was. And it goes into something else because now the demon is in the room. The spirit is there. Aware now, I need to prove to him that you ain't gonna talk to me like that. I'm a man, or, or whatever the case may be, brothers and sisters. Read it one more time, brother. Colossians chapter 3 and 13 forbearing one another and forgiving one another. See, harbor no malice against your brother or sister. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you. So also do ye. See, so we are to be ready to do to him or her good as if he had, as if somebody hadn't done something of us. They never gave us occasion to complain. So even if somebody offend me or do something to me, I must continue to treat that brother or sister as if they never offended me. That's long suffering, brothers and sisters. Because if, if you can't do that, then what happens is we start taking a tally on everything that a brother have done or sister have done. Until it spew over into a confrontation. Brothers and sisters. Forbearing one another. Forgiving one another. Why? Because you're not going to always agree. Somebody likely will offend you at some point. Brothers and sisters. It's how you respond in the face of that offense. Or that argument. Brothers and sisters. That's an indication of your fruit. Are your fruits ripe? Let's go to Ephesians 4 and 32, brother. Sticking in the New Testament here, brothers and sisters. Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29. 32, brother. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32. And be ye kind one to another. Do what? And be ye kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as... God, for Christ's sakes, have forgiven you. Look at this. And be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another. Even as the Most High, for Christ's sake, have forgiven us, brothers and sisters. So what is this showing? Believers are not to be known for a harsh attitude, but rather for thoughtfulness and compassion, brothers and sisters. This is the fruits of the Spirit. This is the fruits of leadership. If you can't do this, you can't be a leader. For the most high. This is critical brothers and sisters. Be ye kind one to another. Tender hearted. These are the qualities. Brothers and sisters. That a brother or sister may be looking for. In order to know rather. Listen. Can I receive doctrine? Can I receive teaching from this brother or sister? See. This is key. This is critical. Brothers and sisters. These are the things that will make your fishing more effective and more efficient, brothers and sisters. These are the things right here. Because the teaching that you have, the information you have is probably right. 
But if somebody don't trust you enough, then what good does that do you? Now you just you you have the information. You're just sitting in your mom's basement with it. Nobody want to hear it from you because why? The spirit is not right. The spirit is aggressive. The spirit is one of contention. The spirit is one without love. Nobody wants to receive that. Nobody will receive that, brothers and sisters. What we're dealing with is effective fishing today, brothers and sisters. Let's go to Matthew 18 and 15, brother. We're going to the gospel, brothers and sisters. Follow us there. Matthew chapter 18, verse 15. Moreover, if thy brother shall trespass against thee, go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. If he shall hear thee, thou hast gained thy brother. Look at this, brothers and sisters. Look at this closely. It says, if a brother or sister trespass against you, go tell him his fault between he and the, between thee and him alone. So what is that saying? This is showing you something here, brothers and sisters. Not to address this type of thing in public before people, brothers and sisters. If a brother offend me, I must pull him to the side, he and I, and say, listen, brother, what you said or what you did offended me, brother. It hurt me. Now, can you... Uh, can you apologize and make this right so we can be together? I'm not going to call the brother out in a room full of people. Brothers and sisters, the Bible is showing you something here. Loud and demonstrative words spoken in the presence of others will never garner the response you're looking for. Brothers and sisters, never. Read it again, brother, please. Matthew chapter 18, verse 15. Moreover, if thy brother shall trespass against thee, Go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. If he shall hear thee, thou hast gained thy brother. See, so you must learn how to even respect a person when they've done you wrong, brothers and sisters. You never address this in front of people because why? A spirit may rise up in a sister or a brother to say, who, who are you trying to make a scene here? You trying to show that I'm soft here? See, you have to know. How Satan works, brothers and sisters. Well, yeah, you, he, you're trying to test my manhood. See? So you pull a brother or sister to the side where it's just you and him. Say, listen, brother, you were wrong, man. I need you to apologize for that, brother. That hurt me. You have to treat me how the Bible say treat me, brother, the same way I'm going to treat you. You don't call the brother out in front of the whole, you know, in public. Because that response that you're going to gain... It's not going to be a peaceful response, brothers and sisters. It will not be peaceful. Brother Wesley, we're going to read 15 one more time before we move on. Matthew chapter 18, verse 15. Moreover, if thy brother shall trespass against thee, go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. If he shall hear thee, Thou hast gained thy brother. See? So this is key, brothers and sisters. We're being long-suffering. We must know how to deal with conflict resolution, brothers and sisters. Which is to go to your brother or your sister alone. Not publicly. Not before everybody. Why? Because then the spirit of pride could rise up in a brother or sister. And they, they can be offended. And when they get offended, they're going to respond in a way that's not conducive to conflict resolution. Brothers and sisters, and this is critical, this is key, and every brother and sister must remember this scripture. Let's go to Proverbs 25 and 9, brother. 
We're talking about being long-suffering, brothers and sisters. Proverbs chapter 25, verse 9. Proverbs chapter 25, verse 9. Debate thy cause with thy neighbor himself. Read that again. Debate thy cause with thy neighbor himself. And discover not a secret to another. See, noble men handle personal matters privately to protect reputations and minimize trouble. Brothers and sisters, I want to keep a brother's integrity intact. I'm not going to show the brother up in front of everybody, even though he may have been wrong. Debate thy cause with thy neighbor himself privately. See, brothers and sisters, read that one more time. Proverbs chapter 25, verse 9. Debate thy cause with thy neighbor himself. Read that again. Debate thy cause with thy neighbor himself. And discover not a secret to another. See, so much of the dissension and fighting among men is caused by the frequent violation of this simple proverb, brothers and sisters. See, there's a time and place for all things. Until I can get, you know, in a private setting with the brother or sister who offended me, then I'll just leave it alone. I'm not going to call the brother out before everybody to show I'm tough and, you know, I'm hard or, or whatever people deal with nowadays. You have to deal with it this way in order to deal with conflict resolution biblically, brothers and sisters. Okay? We're talking about being long-suffering here. Let's go to James, brother. Chapter 1, verse 19. We're going to the New Testament, brothers and sisters. Please follow us there. James, chapter 1, verse 19. Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear. Let what? Let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. See, for all these cautions are required in believers, brothers and sisters. Read that one more time, brother. James chapter 1, verse 19. Wherefore, my brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. Slow to speak, slow to wrath. Why? Because the quick speaker is the quick kindler. So this advice applies to all kinds of work and workplaces, brothers and sisters. See? So listening is well established in business literature as a crucial leadership skill, brothers and sisters. See? Hear the brother or sister out. What is their side of things? And then I'll respond. See? Slow to speak, slow to wrath. Why? Because we're talking about being long-suffering, brothers and sisters. See, this is critical. This is key. Let every man be swift to hear, be quicker to hear and slower to speak, slower, even slower to wrath. Let's go to Ecclesiasticus in the Apographer, brother Wesley. Going to Ecclesiasticus 11 and 8. Ecclesiasticus chapter 11, verse 8. Answer not before thou hast heard the cause. Do what? Answer not before thou have heard the cause. Neither interrupt men in the midst of their talk. Look at this. Resolve conflicts and disputes respectfully and wisely, brothers and sisters. Why? Because those who trust and obey the Most High learn to adjust the speed of their listening and speaking. It tells you, answer not before thou hast heard the cause. Why? Because a lot of times we cut people off. You're not even listening. You're just waiting for a pause so you can get your point in. And see, that's the difference. Sometimes we just, we're not even listening. We're just waiting to make our point. There's a difference between listening 
and just being quiet and cutting the brother off as soon as you see an opportunity so you can prove your point. Read that again, brother. Ecclesiasticus chapter 11, verse 8. Answer not before thou hast heard the cause, neither interrupt men in the midst of their talk. So in order to effectively communicate with people, we must listen, brothers and sisters. Is it about being right or is it about being effective? Neither interrupt men in the midst of their talk. And usually, when you cut a brother off, you get loud. See? You get demonstrative. You get aggressive and abrasive. Why? Because if you're cutting the brother off, usually you're getting loud. Because you're speaking over a brother. These are the things that will lead to confrontation, brothers and sisters. And on top of that, it's rude. And it actually thwarts clear communication from happening. Because you continue to cut a brother off in the midst of his speech. And get loud. See, brothers and sisters? Long-suffering. This is showing us how to communicate. How to deal with conflict resolution. When I speak, even if I'm having a disagreement with the brother, I'm going to allow the brother to voice how he feels first, and then I will rebut. Then I'll deal with my rebuttal. But I will not cut the brother off in the midst of his speech, because that's disrespectful, according to the Bible. It's rude. There's no place in it. You know, there's no place in... Christ's work for that type of pride. We're going to read that one more time. Ecclesiasticus chapter 2 verse 8. Answer not before thou hast heard the cause. Neither interrupt men in the midst of their talk. Neither interrupt men in the midst of their talk. Brothers and sisters. Always remember that. Uh, even when I'm speaking and a brother cut me off, I'll just stop talking. And I'll let him go ahead. Go ahead, brother. It's all right. Go ahead. <laughs> I'm going to follow what the Bible tells me to follow, even if another brother is not. That's the key. Sisters also. Somebody's speaking, you know what? Let me let them speak clearly. Let me take a second before I respond or I answer. See, because usually when you respond quickly, brothers and sisters, it's because you're just waiting to get your point in. So it appears to them like you're trying to be contentious. Because as soon as I'm done, you already have a response. Take a second or two before you rebut. Brothers and sisters. And then, because why? That gives them the appearance that you're giving thought to what they're trying to communicate to you. Brothers and sisters. See, all of this matters. Even when you're debating scripture, brothers and sisters. Even when you're debating scripture. We're going to go to Galatians 5 and 22, brothers and sisters. We're dealing with the fruits for leadership. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness. Gentleness, brothers and sisters. Gentleness. Read that one more time, brother, please. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, Against such, there is no law. The key part that we're dealing with now is gentleness, brothers and sisters. Why? Because we've dealt with love. We've dealt with joy. We've dealt with peace and long suffering. Now, gentleness, brothers and sisters. Gentleness is a fruit of the spirit, brothers and sisters. Not being aggressive and abrasive and hard. Be gentle, brothers and sisters. We're going to show you. Let's go to Titus 3 and 2. Because you need gentleness in avoiding conflict, brothers and sisters. That's the key. Titus chapter 2, excuse me, chapter 3, 
verse 2, Brother Wesley. Titus chapter 3, verse 2. To speak evil of no man. To do what? To speak evil of no man. To be no brawlers, but gentle. But what? But gentle. But what? But gentle. Showing all meekness unto all men. Here he lays down the method of maintaining peace and friendship with all men, brothers and sisters. When it says gentle, it's saying gentle towards those who attack us. We must be yielding and considerate, brothers and sisters. Read that one more time. Titus chapter 3 verse 2. To speak evil of no man, to be no brawlers, but gentle showing all meekness unto all men. See, brothers and sisters, gentle. So here is commanded to bear reproach with patience and meekness, brothers and sisters, towards all men, it says. In order to intimate that we should bear with each other. You know, even the most malicious and odious of responses or attacks, brothers and sisters. See? Gentleness. That's why it says to speak evil of no man, to be no brawlers. See, brothers and sisters, we, we shouldn't be fighters and arguers, quarrelers. Be gentle and show meekness even in the face of attack, brothers and sisters. Even in the face of antagonization. Handle it with class. Be gentle, brothers and sisters. Why? Because that's a fruit of the Spirit. These things help you be a more effective leader, brothers and sisters. Whether you're a parent, whether you're a supervisor at a job, whether you're the first believer in your family. These are all critical, brothers and sisters. Gentleness. Showing you how to deal with gentleness, avoiding conflict. Now, we're going to talk about being gentle when defending our beliefs, brothers and sisters. Because that, that comes up too. Let's go to 1 Peter 3 and 15, brother. Stand in the New Testament here, brothers and sisters. 1 Peter chapter 3 and 15. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. It says be ready always. So no man ought to entertain opinions for which a good reason cannot be given, brothers and sisters. See? Defend the truth with all possible gentleness and fear. Why? Because a lot of times, brothers and sisters, especially when you're dealing with Judah, when you're dealing with black people, when we're excited or passionate about something, we get loud. We get aggressive. It's something within us, brothers and sisters, that that's how we speak a lot of times, especially when we believe we're right. Read that one more time, brother. First Peter chapter three, verse 15. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. With meekness and fear, brothers and sisters. So no man ought to entertain opinions for which a good reason cannot be given. So that means if you cannot prove it, brothers and sisters, don't allow it to come out of your mouth. Okay, brothers and sisters, you must be ready. That's why it says ready always to give an answer to every man that asks you a reason, which is a testimony. Why are you dealing with what you're dealing with? Or why are you following that? And when that opportunity arises, you must respond with meekness and fear, brothers and sisters, of the Most High, in gentleness, brothers and sisters. Defend your truth with all possible gentleness and fear. 
brothers and sisters. Okay? Don't allow your readiness to speak or your 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 eagerness to speak to have you deal with your response in a aggressive manner, brothers and sisters. Okay? Or a clamorous or a loud manner or an abrasive manner, brothers and sisters. Gentleness when defending your faith. Because why? Sometimes debates happen. Sometimes somebody may want to attack you or question you. And a lot of times when we get excited, we get or we, you know, we get loud, we get aggressive. All of these things have to have to die down, brothers and sisters, when you're dealing with this truth. We must be gentle, brothers and sisters, when defending our faith. Don't allow your eagerness or anxiousness to lead you to answer in a way that would not be Christ-like, brothers and sisters. Let's go to Galatians 6 and 1, because also we must be gentle when we correct the faults of others, brothers and sisters. Gentleness, remember, that's one of the fruits of the Spirit. Galatians chapter 6. Verse 6, brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault. Read that again. If a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such as and one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Read that again, brother. Take your time. Galatians chapter 6, verse 6. Brethren. 6 verse 1. Brother. 6 verse 1. Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault. Ye which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. So even when someone is antagonistic, meek correction is what should be reciprocated, brothers and sisters. With modesty, without any spirit of ostentation, with gentleness of manner, brothers and sisters. That's why it says, if a man be overtaken in a fault. See? So a brother or sister is flat out wrong. Restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest I also be tempted. What does that mean? Consider thyself, lest I also be tempted. Because, brothers and sisters, in anger, the Bible tells you, when you deal with anger, sin usually happens after that. So, when you're trying to correct a brother, if you're not doing it in a gentle way, you may be tempted to start attacking the brother. Or saying certain things that's going to lead to fisticuffs. Brothers and sisters, consider thyself lest I also be tempted, which means what? Because a brother sinned against you, now you are sinning against him. Don't allow another brother or sister's wrong make you wrong, because now we're both wrong. Consider thyself lest I also be tempted, brothers and sisters. See? So that's key. We're talking about what? We're talking about gentleness, brothers and sisters. Gentleness when correcting the faults of others. Let's go to Proverbs 15 and 1, brother, to magnify that particular point. Proverbs chapter 15, verse 1. A soft answer turneth away wrath, but grievous words stir up anger. Read that again, brother. A soft answer turneth away wrath, but grievous words stir up anger. Look at that, brothers and sisters. Look at that. A soft answer turneth away wrath. So it requires great strength 
to be gentle, brothers and sisters. Gentleness is the opposite of abrasiveness, and it flows from that kind of confident strength that is the opposite of arrogance, brothers and sisters. It takes strength, a, 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 an inner strength to be gentle, brothers and sisters. Read that one more time, brother. Proverbs chapter 15, verse 1. A soft answer turneth away wrath, but grievous words stir up anger. See, if you remember this rule, you can handle, excuse me, you can handle every angry adversary in any confrontation, brothers and sisters. Your response, depending on how you respond, you can either kindle that fire or extinguish that fire, brothers and sisters. And this is key. Why? The Most High loves peacemakers, brothers and sisters. See? And if you can't respond with a soft answer to maybe some antagonization, there's some pride that's there. There's some pride. Well, yeah, I don't want to seem soft. Uh, you know, if I let them get away with it once, they're going to get away with it a hundred times. Whatever we tell ourselves, <laughs> brothers and sisters, to rationalize. See? So look at that, brothers and sisters. Always remember this particular proverb. Let's go back to Galatians 5 and 22, brother. Galatians chapter 5 and 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith. Look at that, brothers and sisters. We've dealt with love. We've dealt with joy, peace, long-suffering, and now gentleness. So we've dealt with those. What's next? Goodness. Brothers and sisters. Now, we have to understand something, brothers and sisters. The world has been influenced by the devil's deceptions concerning what is good and what is evil, brothers and sisters. How do we know? Because he coerced Eve and you know to partake in the fruit, saying it would be good for her. The tree of good and evil. So he he made her believe, brothers and sisters, that it would be good for her to partake in that fruit. That was a deception, brothers and sisters. And most of the earth is now being influenced by what Satan, what his definition of good is, brothers and sisters. So you have to know what good is first, according to the Bible. We're going to prove that. Let's go to Psalms 119 and 66, brother. Psalms chapter 119 and verse 66. Psalms chapter 119, verse 66. Teach me good judgment and knowledge. Do what? Teach me good judgment and knowledge. For I have believed thy commandments. So look at this, brothers and sisters. The Most High wants us to demonstrate his goodness based on his commandments, based on his character, by which we determine the moral quality of things, or decide what is right or wrong. Read that one more time, brother. Psalms chapter 119, verse 66. Teach me good judgments and knowledge, for I have believed thy commandments. See? So look at that. Keeping the law of the Most High is connected with a correct view of things, brothers and sisters. See? Teach me good judgment. Brothers and sisters, we must learn from the Bible what good is. Not from the world. The world can't give you the biblical definition of what goodness is or what being good or right is. 
brothers and sisters. Let's prove that. Let's go to Micah, brother, in the Old Testament. We're going to Micah chapter 6, verse 8. Micah chapter 6, verse 8. He has showed thee, O man, what is good. Read that again. He has showed thee, O man, what is good. And what doeth the Lord require of thee, but to do justly, and to love mercy, and to walk humbly with thy God. Brothers and sisters, people can have good traits or do good deeds, but goodness is not in our character, brothers and sisters. Our goodness comes from the Most High. We're going to show you again. Read that one more time, brother. Micah chapter 6, verse 8. He has showed thee, O man, what is good. See, he hath shown us what's good, brothers and sisters. So he trains our palate to be able to taste or distinguish right from wrong, brothers and sisters. How could you know what good is if it wasn't for the Bible, brothers and sisters? How could we know that eating pork is wrong if it wasn't in the Bible? How could we know that fornication is wrong if it wasn't in the Bible, brothers and sisters? How could we know that holidays are pagan if it wasn't in the Bible, brothers and sisters? See, the world have a different understanding of what good is. One brother told me years ago, um, well, anybody can get into heaven, just be good. I'm like, well, brother, <laughs> what is good? According to what? To me? To, to you? Because, of, you know, a, a molester think he's good. A, a rapist think he's good. A murderer think he's good. A drug dealer think he's good. So that's in the eye of the beholder. We're in no position to determine what's good according to God, brothers and sisters. Read that one more time, brother. Micah chapter 6 verse 8. He hath showed thee, O man, what is good, and what doth the Lord require of thee, but to do justly, and to love mercy, and to walk humbly with thy God. See? So we must learn from the Most High, from his word, which is the Bible, what is good, brothers and sisters. Okay? Now, we're going to give you some examples of goodness to follow, brothers and sisters. According to the to the Bible. Brother Wesley, let's go to Psalms 112 and verse 5. Chapter 112, we're going to read verse 5, brother. Psalms chapter 112, verse 5. A good man showeth favor. Read that again. A good man showeth favor. A good man. See, the Bible is showing you what good is. Read it, what, read it again. A good man showeth favor and lendeth. He will guard his affairs with discretion. Discretion. Look, look at this, brothers and sisters. So the Bible is to tell us what good is. It says a good man showeth favor and lendeth. So generosity, sound judgment in business, and confidence in God, brothers and sisters. When it says with discretion, that means his civil and domestic affairs, he will act the part of a good economist, brothers and sisters. Read that one more time, brother. Psalms chapter 112, verse 5. A good man showeth favor and lendeth. He will guard his affairs with discretion. So that favor is a kindness, brothers and sisters. A good man, he lends to some and gives to others. See? So you have to deal with what the Bible says is good, brothers and sisters, Okay? Not what the world is saying, not what a Buddhist is saying, not what a Muslim is saying, 
Not what the United States of America is saying good is, brothers and sisters. What the Bible is saying good is. It says, a good man showeth kindness or, or favor and lendeth. And he will guide his affairs with discretion, brothers and sisters. So generosity and justice, sound judgment, even in business. Now, usually, a lot of times, brothers and sisters, when we see that word lendeth, that's something that a good man or woman should do, if possible. We're going to show you that. Let's, let's go to Ecclesiastes 29 and 2, brother. Let's go to the Apocrypha. Ecclesiastes 29 and 2. Ecclesiasticus chapter 29 verse 2. Lend to thy neighbor in the time of his need. And pay thou thy neighbor again in due season. So lend to thy neighbor in his time of need. And pay thou thy neighbor again in due season. Read. Keep thy word and deal faithfully with them. And thou shalt always find the thing that is necessary for thee. Why? Because a lot of times a person will see that and see, say, well, you're a man of God. You're supposed to lend. But what is this illustrating? It's telling us, number one, lend to your neighbor. But when it's time to pay your neighbor, you pay him back what he lent you. See, that's the other part of this. If you're a good man or woman. See, that's the other part. Why? Because a person can look at that and say, well, a brother have to lend me every time. You know, because that's what the Bible says, and try to take advantage of that. Read two again, brother, please. Ecclesiasticus chapter 29, verse 2. Lend to thy neighbor in the time of his need, and pay thou thy neighbor again in due season. Keep thy word, and deal faithfully with him. Do what? And deal faithfully with him, and thou shalt always find the thing that is necessary for thee. So it's magnifying the truthfulness of speech, brothers and sisters. It says, deal with him faithfully, and thou shalt always find a thing that is necessary for thee. So if he lends you something and you agree on when you're giving it back, if you give it back to him, then he will lend again, brothers and sisters. A lot of people don't even know this in the Bible. See? Because there's always got to be equity. The Most High is not going to say, well, lend, and then, you know, as a responsibility, and then not go into what the responsibility of the recipient <laughs> Of that lend, lending was. Read three one more time, brother, please. Ecclesiasticus chapter 29, verse 3. Keep thy word and deal faithfully with him, and thou shalt always find a thing that is necessary for thee. Continue. Many, when a thing was lent them, reckoned it to be found, and put them to trouble that helped him. So many don't repay or have to be chased down. To give back what was lent to them, brothers and sisters. See, so we're showing you what a good person is according to the Bible. See, if it's my or another brother's responsibility to lend when we have it for another brother or sister in their time of need, that same person that came who needed something has a moral responsibility to pay back what was lent to them, brothers and sisters. See, the... You have to go into the Bible to see what good is. Read the next scripture, brother. Ecclesiasticus chapter 29, verse 5. Till he have received, he will kiss a man's hand. And for his neighbor's money, he will speak submissively. But when he should repay, he will prolong the time and return words of grief 
and complain of the time. See? So you'll have people who, when they need something for you, <laughs> they when it says kiss a man's heart, hand, that's humbly. Speak submissively. So they'll speak, you know, submissively and he- humbly when they get something, when they need something from you. But it says he will prolong the time and return words of grief. Well, yeah, I ain't really got it right now, brother. Let me get you next month. And then when that time comes, man, you still you still follow me around about that little funky twenty dollars? Oh, now it's a funky twenty dollars. <laughs> it wasn't a funky twenty dollars when you needed it, though, brother. See, the Bible is showing you something here, brothers and sisters. Read verse seven, brother Wesley. Ecclesiasticus chapter twenty nine, verse seven. Many therefore have refused to lend for another man's ill dealings, fearing to be defrauded. So look at that, brothers and sisters. So many people will not lend because why? They've had a hard time collecting on what was lent, brothers and sisters. See? So the Bible offers many warnings about the dangers of debt, brothers and sisters. See? It says, many therefore have refused to lend for other men's ill dealings, fearing to be defrauded. So this is critical. If a good man lends, then a good man also repay back or repay what was lent, brothers and sisters. This is key. Read verse 10, brother. Ecclesiasticus chapter 29, verse 10. Lose thy money for thy brother and thy friend. Read that one more time. Lose thy, lose, thy, lose thy money for thy brother and thy friend, and let it not rust under a stone to be lost. So look at this, brothers and sisters. You must be willing to sacrifice the money in order to preserve a friendship, brothers and sisters. That's why it says, lose thy money for a brother and a friend. Why? Because when you come up in the ghetto, in the slums, and everybody is struggling, people get killed over money, brothers and sisters. People get killed over money. Or they lose friendships and families. Businesses are broken apart based on money. So if you do lend it, prepare yourself to not get it back. Now, yes, you should get it back. But if you don't, what should happen? See, this is showing you a good man. See, a good man will lose that money for the sake of that friendship or that relationship, brothers and sisters. See? The Bible is showing you what a good man is. Now, of course, the person who received whatever was lent has an obligation morally to repay the person who lent it to them. But if for some reason a brother can't repay, instead of taking it to a physical nature or cutting a brother off, listen, I'll sacrifice that money. Now, that doesn't mean that the brother going to get another loan, <laughs> But it's just showing you. Be willing. So when I give out money, brothers and sisters, I'm expecting, I mean, uh, I'm going to expect not to get it back. Now, of course, do I want it back? Of course. I don't know anybody who who just giving out money for free. But I'm willing to lose it. Why? Because why did, why did Judas give up Christ? A lot of people don't even know. Money, brothers and sisters. Christ had some oil that he was being anointed with. And Judas had a problem with that. He's like, well, listen, you're wasting this oil when we could have sold that for money and gave it to the poor. So it was the money that caused Judas to betray Christ, brothers and sisters. It says, lose thy money for thy brother and thy friend and let it not rust under a stone to be lost, brothers and sisters. So that's key 
That's key, brothers and sisters. If you if you're a good man or a woman, you're willing to relinquish that debt for the sake of preserving that friendship, brothers and sisters. That's key. But we got to play both sides of this. The Bible is equal. There's equity within the Bible. So it's not going to tell a brother to lend and then not show the obligation of he who received the loan. Go to Ecclesiasticus 4 and 31, brother, please. Ecclesiasticus chapter 4, verse 31. Let not thine hand be stretched out to receive and shut when thou should re shouldest repay. So look at this, brothers and sisters. Read that one more time, brother. Ecclesiasticus chapter 4, verse 31. Let not thine hand be stretched out to receive, and shut when thou shouldest repay. So a believer has a moral obligation to repay their creditors to the best of their ability, brothers and sisters. See? According to the Bible, because the Most High's word gives strict direction to the lenders to extend grace... Some people will use that as a way out of fulfilling their obligation as a borrower. Read that one more time, brother. Ecclesiasticus chapter 4 verse 31. Let not thine hand be stretched out to receive and shut when thou shouldest repay. See? So the lender's obligation does not release us from our responsibility as a borrower, brothers and sisters. See? The Bible is always equitable on both sides. See, all of these are indications of who is good, brothers and sisters. How are you going to be trying to teach, you know, bring somebody to Christ or deal with, you know, trying to give doctrine and stuff, and yet you're a thief? Or you're either you're a thief because you won't repay, or you're stingy because you won't loan what you have. See, brothers and sisters? Selfishness. It's not of the Bible. It's not of a true man or woman of God, brothers and sisters. Brother Wesley, read Proverbs 3 and 27, please. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 27. Withhold not good from them to whom it is due, when it is in the power of thine hand to do it. So look at that, brothers and sisters. Withhold indicates to me that you can meet the need, but you choose not to, brothers and sisters. See, withholding creates great distrust, brothers and sisters. Read that again, brother, please. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 27. Withhold not good from them to whom it is due, when it is in thy power of thine hand to do it. Read. Say not unto thy neighbor, go and come again, and tomorrow I will give, when thou hast it by thee. So look at this, brothers and sisters. Since we have incurred the debt they deserve, to receive from us what we owe them. This is showing you. A brother say, well, I'll give it to you tomorrow when he have it in his pocket right now. See? So look at this, brothers and sisters. The Bible is showing equity here. The Bible is going to determine what's good and what's evil. Brothers and sisters, who's trustworthy and who's not. That can only be found in the Bible. Read 27 one more time, brother. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 27 Withhold not good from them to whom it is due, when it is in thy power of thine hand to do it. Why? Because your lack of urgency to pay is an indication of your character. The way we pay our bills is a testimony to our faith in the Most High, brothers and sisters. Read that next scripture, brother. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 28. 
Say not unto thy neighbor, Go, and come again, and tomorrow I will give, when thou hast it by thee. See? Why tell a brother uh, you'll give it to him tomorrow when you have it right now? See, brothers and sisters? The way in which we repay a debt is a mark of character. Somebody who does what we're reading here, this is not a man of nobility. See, brothers and sisters? And guess what? If you purchase anything new, your, <clears throat> your lender will probably resent you for it. That happened all the time in the hood. Brother owe you $100, but yet he out eating with his family. <laughs> You're like, I mean, brother, what's going on here? He come out with some new Jordans. See? The Bible is showing you something here. Because now what happens? There's distrust there. Brother, probably, if it don't lead to fisticuffs, it will definitely fracture the relationship. So the Bible is showing you some key knowledge here, brothers and sisters. And this was just one of the examples of what good is, brothers and sisters. We're just showing you that the Bible determines what's good, what goodness is, and not a man in his heart. Whatever he thinks is good. Negative. Don't work like that. We're showing you something here, brothers and sisters. Lending, which is godly, and also paying back what was lent to you, is all indication of what? Your fruit, brothers and sisters. See? Fruits of the Spirit. The way you repay even is a mark of your godly character or lack thereof, brothers and sisters. This is key. Let's go to Galatians 5 and 22, Brother Wesley. Follow us here, brothers and sisters. Galatians chapter 5. Verse 22, but the fruit of the spirit is love. Read that again. But the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, long suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith. Faith, brothers and sisters, we've dealt with the love. We've dealt with the joy. We've dealt with the peace, the long suffering. We've dealt with the gentleness and we just dealt with goodness. Now, faith, brothers and sisters, which is one of the fruits of the spirit. Faith. Let's go to Hebrews 11, brothers and sisters. Please follow us closely. We're going to stick here in the New Testament, brothers and sisters. We're going to Hebrews 11, and we're going to read verse 1. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Look at this, brothers and sisters. Faith is the thing which you cannot see. That you're hoping for. That you have faith for. That you may not have physical evidence of. Brothers and sisters. We need you to examine something. Because a lot of people don't know what faith is. And worldly people will try to ostracize you. Because you have faith. Brothers and sisters. Read that one more time brother. Hebrews chapter 2 verse 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. Read verse 3. Through faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. So look at this, brothers and sisters. It's telling you that what? Everything we see came from something invisible, brothers and sisters. Let there be light. Let there be this. Let there be that. Look at that, brothers and sisters. Everything we see came from the invisible realm that's called faith, 
brothers and sisters. That's faith. Read verse 6, brother. Hebrews 11 and 6. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. Read that again. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. Look at this, brothers and sisters. Faith is obligatory. It's required. It's mandatory. Faith is not something that's inessential, brothers and sisters. Read that one more time. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. See? So we will grow in faith as we exercise faith, brothers and sisters. As we trust the Most High and actually follow his instructions. See? As our faithfulness to God increases... We become more staunch, more firm, determined, and resolute in our belief in the Most High. He puts you in situations in which you have to utilize faith. See? Somebody can't just pray, okay, Father, I need faith, and then he just drop down faith. No, he puts you in a situation where you have to utilize faith, brothers and sisters. And without that... It's impossible to please him. You must believe in what you cannot see, which you may not have evidence of, brothers and sisters. And without that ability, it's impossible to please him, brothers and sisters. That's the fruit of the Spirit. Let's go back to Galatians 5 and 22, brother. We're running down to the last few, brothers and sisters. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. Read 23 again. Meekness, temperance, against such there is no law. Meekness, brothers and sisters. Meekness. One of the fruits of the Spirit is meekness, brothers and sisters. Let's deal with it. Let's go to Ecclesiastes 3 and 17. We're going to the Apographer, brothers and sisters, to illustrate what the Bible says concerning meekness as a fruit of the Spirit. Ecclesiasticus chapter 3, verse 17. My son, go on with thy business in meekness, so shalt thou be beloved of him that is approved. Read. The greater thou art, the more humble thyself. And thou shalt find favor before the, the Lord. The greater you are, the more humble you should become, brothers and sisters. See, I really need you to examine that. It says, my son, go on with thy business in meekness. See, carry yourself even in business. Everything you do in meekness and humility, brothers and sisters. The greater thou art, the more humble you should be, brothers and sisters. And usually the people that's most prideful are the people who have no power. People who have nothing. Remember that, that saying, the loudest one in the room is the weakest one in the room. Look at this, brothers and sisters. Read that again, brother, verse 18. Ecclesiasticus, chapter 3, verse 18. The greater thou art, the more humble thyself, and thou shalt find favor before the Lord. Many are in high place, and of very now. But mysteries are revealed unto the meek. But what? Mysteries are revealed unto the meek. Brothers and sisters, meek spirits are in high favor with the Father. And why does it say, but mysteries are revealed to the meek? 
Because people who exhibit meekness have a teachable spirit, brothers and sisters. That's the whole deal. We all know people who can't be taught anything. They think they know everything. And if they don't agree with it, it's wrong. That's why it says the mysteries are revealed unto the meek, brothers and sisters. Read the next scripture, brother. Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 20. For the power of the Lord is great, and he is honored of the lowly. So, brothers and sisters, we're dealing with the meekness. My son, go on with thy business in meekness. Meekness is critical, according to the scripture, brothers and sisters. In everything that you do, see, people are looking at this. And if there's no humility, there's no meekness there. Guess what? They're not going to be willing to receive instruction from you. Because why? You have, you have an arrogancy about you. You have a smugness about you. And any person knows that that's not of Christ. So you can't teach me about Christ if you have something that Christ doesn't approve of. If you're utilizing or exhibiting things that Christ would not approve of. So you have to be careful of that, brothers and sisters. Let's go to Psalms 25 and 9, brother. Going to the Old Testament, brothers and sisters. Psalms chapter 25, verse 9. The meek will he guide in judgment, and the meek will he teach his ways. Read that one more time, brother. The meek will guide in judgment, and the meek will teach his way. No, read that again, brother. Take your time. Psalms chapter 25, verse 9. The meek will he guide in judgment, and the meek will he teach his way. Right. So look at that, brothers and sisters. Meekness must never be thought of as a mere weakness. For it is the most awesome strength. It says, the meek he will guide in judgment. The meek he will teach his way. See? Those of us who are humble and meek will be directed, brothers and sisters. That's critical. That is critical, brothers and sisters. We must smother ourselves in humility, according to the Bible. We're going to show you that. Go to Psalms 37 and 11, brother. We're going to stay in the same book, just a different chapter, brothers and sisters. Psalms chapter 37, verse 11. But the meek shall inherit the earth. Read that again. But the meek shall inherit the earth. And shall delight themselves in the abundance of peace. Brothers and sisters, the Holy Spirit enables us to produce meekness. And to show you something here. Meekness is an indication that you have the Holy Spirit, brothers and sisters. See? The Bible places great value on meekness. Read it one more time, brother. Psalms chapter 37, verse 11. But the meek shall inherit the earth. And shall delight themselves in the abundance of peace. Only the humble will inherit the earth and rule it, brothers and sisters. That's critical. Smother yourself in meekness. Smother yourself in humility. That's an indication of your true power. Brother Wesley, let's go back to Galatians 5, 22 and 23. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, 
long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Temperance, brothers and sisters. We're going to deal with that. We've dealt with the love, the joy, the peace, the long-suffering and gentleness, the goodness, the faith, and meekness. Now we're dealing with temperance or self-control, brothers and sisters. Let's go to Proverbs 25 and 28, Brother Weston. Please follow us, brothers and sisters. Proverbs chapter 25, verse 28. He that hath no rule over his own spirit is like a city that is broken down and without walls. So if you don't rule your spirit, you are vulnerable to say or do things that could cost you dearly, brothers and sisters. A man without rule of his spirit is exposed and vulnerable like a defenseless city. Brothers and sisters, why? Because in biblical times, in ancient times, the walls were to keep you protected and keep out the enemy. Brothers and sisters, read that one one more time, please. Proverbs chapter 25, verse 28. He that hath no rule over his own spirit is like a city that is broken down and without walls. See, the enemy of your soul strives to keep this knowledge from you. Brothers and sisters, this is critical temperance or self-control. The greatest battle you will ever fight is the one against your own spirit, brothers and sisters. Temperance, self-control is the final fruit of the spirit, brothers and sisters. And one of the most important. Let's go to 1 Corinthians 9 and 25, brother. We're going to the New Testament. What, is set, what does that say, brother? 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 25. And every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. Read that again. And every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. So look at this, brothers and sisters. The work of salvation is difficult, as indicated in this passage, where it says temperate in all things. Temperate is the power of regulating one's self. Temperance. Is the ability to moderate or control, brothers and sisters. Read that one more time. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 25. And every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. See, so we owe our salvation to the practice of this principle, brothers and sisters. If you strive for the mastery, temperance. Is obligatory, brothers and sisters. Self-control is obligatory, brothers and sisters. It's a necessity, brothers and sisters. It's essential, brothers and sisters. So we must understand this. Let's go to Proverbs 25 and 16, Brother Wesley. Proverbs chapter 25, verse 16. Has thou found honey? Read that again. Has thou found honey? Eat so much as it is sufficient for thee, lest thou be filled therewith and vomited. Look at that, brothers and sisters. This proverb illustrates the great importance of self-control. Why? Because anything can be abused and cause the opposite result of the original goal. Even honey, brothers and sisters. Read that one more time. <clears throat> Proverbs chapter 25, verse 16. Has thou found honey? Eat so much as it is sufficient for thee. Least thou be filled therewith and vomited. See, if you eat too much of, <clears throat> if you eat too much honey, you vomit. 
So you have to have self-control even in your dietary, brothers and sisters. See? Eating certain foods, unclean foods, self-control. The Bible say don't eat this, so I won't eat it. See? Anything, everything can be abused, brothers and sisters. It's the principle of this particular proverb that we're dealing with. It's not really about honey. It's something deeper there, brothers and sisters. It's about self-control. It's about moderation. It's about temperance, brothers and sisters. Let's go to 1 Thessalonians, brother. Let's go to the New Testament. We're going to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 21 and 22, brothers and sisters. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and 21. Prove all things. Hold fast that which is good. Abstain from all appearances of evil. Do what? Abstain from all appearance of evil. So look at that, brothers and sisters. When we abstain or refrain from doing something, we exercise restraint and self-control. Not only from evil itself, but from that which seemeth to be wrong, brothers and sisters. Read that from the top, brother. First Thessalonians chapter 5 and 21. Prove all things. Hold fast that which is good. Abstain from all appearance of evil. See, abstain from all appearance of evil. So it's telling you, do not drive your morality so near the bounds of evil as to lead weak persons to believe that you can dabble a bit, brothers and sisters. See, even the appearance of evil. Why? Because we represent the Most High, and any appearance of evil presents a wrong picture of who He is, brothers and sisters. That's the key. Prove all things. Hold on to what's good and abstain from anything that even appears to be evil. Brothers and sisters, that's critical. We're talking about what? Self-control or temperance, brothers and sisters. We're going to go to James chapter 1, verse 14. Follow us to the book of James, brothers and sisters. Chapter 1, verse 14 and 15. James chapter 1, verse 14. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust. And entice. Read that again. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Drawn away of his own lust and enticed. So this is showing us temptations vary according to the weaknesses of each person. Brothers and sisters. What may be an easy self-denial for one may be tough to resist for another. Brothers and sisters. Read that one more time. James chapter 1 verse 14. But every man is tempted... When he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. See, so as soon as we're tempted, we must begin to deny ourselves that wrong desire. Continue, brother. James chapter 1 verse 15. Then when, then when lust has conceived, it bringeth forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. See, so temptation comes when we allow our lust to lead and entice us, brothers and sisters. There is no temptation without something within that you know, within us, that is a catalyst for that temptation. You can only be tempted by things you actually want, brothers and sisters. And that's critical for us to understand, because why? We're talking about self-control. We're talking about temperance, brothers and sisters. You can't be tempted by something you have no interest in, brothers and sisters. Then when that lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin when it is finished, bring it forth death. So it's showing you what here? It's showing you the progression. It starts as lust. 
And then it turns, if that lust continues without rebuke, it's going to bring forth a sin. And we all know the wages of sin is death, brothers and sisters. So it's showing you the equation here. That lust comes from what you really desire. And if you allow that lust to linger, it's going to bring forth the sin. And once that sin has produced, death follows, brothers and sisters. That's critical. This is what the fruits of leadership, brothers and sisters. We're going to go to Proverbs 11 and 30 and we'll leave it here, brothers and sisters. Please follow us. Proverbs chapter 11, verse 30. Proverbs chapter 11, verse 30. The fruits of the righteous is a tree of life, and he that winneth souls is wise. The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and he that winneth souls is wise. So what are we showing? Today's lesson was fruits of leadership, which was to show you or to assist you in winning souls. Brothers and sisters, he that winneth souls is wise. Why? Because he have taken into account the fruits of the spirit that is needed to win a soul, brothers and sisters. Now, reviewing that fruit inventory may leave some of us disheartened about missing fruit in our lives. What we encourage brothers and sisters to do is pick out one fruit at a time if you're dealing with a plethora or a myriad of them. And you deal with one at a time. Do not become discouraged, brothers and sisters. The scripture is not there to condemn you. It's to teach you. It's to educate you, brothers and sisters. It's to free you, brothers and sisters. You will need to exemplify these particular characteristics and attitudes in order to win souls, brothers and sisters. You, you can have the doctrine. You can have the teaching. You can have all of that. But if the fruit is not right, it does not lead to winning souls, brothers and sisters. It just leads to you being right with a bunch of knowledge that you're unable to share because people are rejecting you or resisting you. The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life. See, those fruits that come from the righteous lead to life, brothers and sisters, eternal. And he that winneth souls is wise. It takes wisdom to win a soul, brothers and sisters. Okay? So, brothers and sisters, today's lesson was the fruits of leadership, where we use the Bible to illustrate the characteristics and attitudes that we must display in order to win souls, brothers and sisters, to make a good leader, brothers and sisters. We want to say, Kwam Yasharala. Kwam Yasharala. Sin no more. Sin no more.